Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. Now, while you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Now, today, the cool kids are talking about how to cultivate workplace community. Now, here's the thing. As L&D professionals, we really are sleeping on the importance of organic communities within our organizations. With the increased adoption of workplace collaboration tools such as Microsoft Teams or Slack, communities are organically taking root in our organizations and people are moving beyond the four walls of their work teams and they're finding others across departments with whom they share a common interest or a purpose. Now, this means that there's a harvest of information that we can gather and potentially share with others within the business. So the big question on the table today is multifaceted. How do we find these informal communities? How do we nurture them? And then how do we manage and share the knowledge that's been gained? So without further ado, let's get to it. All right. Well, welcome everyone. Learn not learn something new. That's the second time I've said that for our coffee chat here this Friday, the week before the American Thanksgiving. So I don't know about you, but I've got some shopping to do. And this is where I'm feeling particularly grateful for the pickup. So I don't have to beat the crowds. I could just put my order in online and go and pick it up. I think that that's going to be a very handy tool for me this year, being that I'm going to probably wait until the last minute to do anything. All right, now let's get to the topic at hand. The topic at hand was or is uh, cultivating workplace communities. And taking this from the perspective of we don't own communities, right? We open them up and maybe we tried to build them, but we don't own them. The people own them. And so now what our job becomes is how do we nurture them? How do we support them? How do we curate knowledge that's been shared with them? And how do we then disseminate that knowledge that we've found, right? So there's a whole lot of components, a whole lot of puzzle pieces that go together when we think about cultivating workplace communities or cultivating learning specifically from workplace communities. So I'm curious as to one, if you uh, happen to have downloaded the the Cultivating Workplace Communities tool that I sent to you that came from the Emerging Stronger team that I'm a part of. And we created that for our publishing partner, Go One. But it's certainly handy for everybody here. So if you manage to upload that, that would be great. And how you might use that. So I'm going to open it up to you. Now, how many of you are actively nurturing some community, some sort of community within your workplace right now. Renee? We have a very robust communities of practice that exist at our company. And so I don't actually manage it. We have a knowledge manager that manages it. And they are closely associated with our platform called Jive, where we gather all of our knowledge so that it's searchable and you can find things and ask questions and it's a social media platform basically 
we're getting ready to switch to a new provider, but it's amazing what they get done because one of the things they do, we're an engineering firm. And so they will create standards for whatever topic that they're talking about. And sometimes they get forms created. They, they do all kinds of really great things, write papers, have great presentations. It's really pretty cool. That's great. I love that. So what do you think your role is in nurturing and supporting that community? You know, when they come to me for training, you know, I help them with the training. And sometimes it's simply, oh, we need a video edited or we need help setting up a session on a webinar or that sort of support is typically the support that I give them. Okay. And that's perfect. I mean, that's exactly what I believe we're here to do. Like I said, we don't own them. It's not one of those, if you build it, they will come sort of things. You know, I find that the best communities are organic within our organizations where naturally people have gravitated together and they're sharing what they're working on or they're sharing common issues or they're just trying to, you know, have a space for themselves. And the benefit here is that there's all sorts of interesting knowledge that comes out of that. So if you think about right now, organizations that might have a higher median of age, so people may be retiring shortly, where does that knowledge go? How are we finding it? How are we then sharing it and capturing it? How is that working within your organizations? How do you see your role? This isn't really answering your questions, Shannon, but I was just thinking, I think we have too many different garden plots in our organization because there's so many channels that, you know, even when they grow up organically, like they gravitate towards one channel over another or I don't know. And so sometimes things start out, I mean, like anything else, when you have a really strong sponsor or you have sponsorship in leadership is I think when the best communities thrive and grow, because I think things start out, they might start out gangbusters, but over time, they're not sustained. They're not like they just lose their momentum or whatever, or become less useful to people. Yes. So how do we help sustain them? What are, what are your ideas for helping to sustain them? I think what Maureen said about sponsorship is so important because if leadership doesn't sponsor the sharing and the communication and doing things like that, it it isn't going to happen. So you could have the best tools set up in the world, but if there's nothing to encourage people to do that and who encourages them, you know, management has to support that, I think, in, in one way or another. I mean, there's only so much your HR team or your training team learning and development, whatever you want to say, can do with that. I mean, I think it all, it all goes back to, again, who is supporting in the organization and how are they supporting it and how are they encouraging it? Yeah, and I think a leadership sponsorship is great and it's important to have those champions. But if you think about organic communities, those are communities of people who have naturally come together some of them may not necessarily have leadership championship because they didn't need it, right? And so when we think about sustaining them and helping them keep momentum, right? So they've come together and we want to help them keep momentum. What, what are your thoughts behind that, Kathy? No, Shannon, one of the things I'm thinking about is, you know, does anybody have examples of what type of community? Like for us, 
you know, here's a little community of learning and development professionals that we want to learn. But within your own organization, maybe you don't have many learning and development professionals. So do you see communities elsewhere? Because I, because in my mind, are we talking about communities of practice like within an organization? So I'm just kind of curious then, like within an organization, are there communities that they're trying to grow? Is it for maybe customer service people? So that team has a community area that that they go to to learn. Is it management? So there's like a leadership community. I'm just kind of curious what kind of communities within an organization, you know, are established. So if you, like Shannon, you said, if you're trying to do that organically, I mean, how do you kind of start something like that too? You know, where, what's the catalyst, what topic or role or issue is, is a catalyst for forming a community too? I'm just kind of curious about that. So at our firm, we organize them by topic, I guess. So for instance, one of them is Bluebeam, which is the PDF reader that everybody uses in our firm. We have another one for Excel. We have another one for engineering topics like fire prevention and um, wind studies. And so it's all by topic. That's how we organize. We have some that are organized by topics. And then we have like a young professionals community that was originally started by an executive sponsor, but has kind of just been they monitor it and, and encourage it, but it's really the community of young professionals that are doing it. I love that idea. So maybe it gets started by leadership or somebody within L&D or, or somebody else, and then they hand it over and say, okay, I've, I've done my job. I've nurtured the ground. And so now you guys take it over. It becomes yours. That's where the richest communities are and the ones that are most successful. Others, if, if we start them and we insist on ownership of them, then sometimes that's where they die because people don't feel as though I really have partnership in this. I don't feel like I have, you know, my own unique voice because somebody else is, is controlling it. Why not be controlled by the group? So I, I like that, Jason, that they went in that direction. And so we've got that, which was, did you say young leaders? They're young professionals. So it's anybody under 40 gets to be part of this group. Anyone under 40. So now you need uh, a 41 and over. Uh, we're just considered old at this point. <laughs> the Oldheimers group. Right. <laughs> I believe that's seasoned, sir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How can we get that done? All right. So great examples. What else? What else do you guys think about this? Well, one of my problems that I think we run into, I'm, I'm in a small organization, so we don't even have enough people that care about getting together, whether virtual or in person. You know, it's not that they don't care about the people. They just don't feel this need to have a community particularly. And if they want to talk to someone, they'll call them or talk to them, you know. But when we have had or I've been in groups I find that it's, how do we keep it maintained? Like these chats that you put on, that um, Rebel Learning put on, a lot of times it's an interest in a topic that keeps me coming back. So things like that. So I know that topic can definitely, just like Renee said, I think that's probably a very smart way to go because that's what keeps the interest. However, who keeps it going? Who makes sure that the topics are right? Who who takes care of any of that? Because I've never seen anything last for a long period of time. It always kind of, you know, dribbles off to the edge and 
then kind of stops after a while. People get tired. People get tired of doing whatever, and they just stop doing it. So that's kind of one of my concerns, how to keep it alive, how to keep it so that people want to stay involved. Well, how about this? What if it's okay if they die? Yeah, some are, I guess. Right. What if it's okay? The project is done. The project's been completed. Or the reason that they've come together has lived its natural life. So now it's time to move on to another community of practice or something else, you know, within the organization. So I would, I would say that it's okay for it to, to conclude, let's not say die. Let's be a little bit more positive. Let's let's conclude. (laughs) Now, if we can help them, what are some ways that we can help sustain? Let's say you do have a strong community of practice of these young leaders, young professionals within your organization, and you just have a standby role. It's like, I know it's happening and that's great. I'm just kind of keeping my eye on it as an L&D professional. I just want to, you know, see what's happening, keep my eyeballs on it. How could you help keep interest in that moving forward? What do you think you could do? I work for the National Institute of Corrections. It's a government agency. So sometimes it's difficult to be able to do things we're handcuffed a lot of times with just what we're able to do. But one of the things we do is we have on our website, we have different networks and communities of practice based on job title or role, if you will. And one of the things that I have kind of found, at least in my division, those communities of practice, network forums, whatever you want to call them, they're only as good as someone tending to them. So we'll post in there or somebody will post a question and get some feedback, get some answers. But one of the things that we have found is is kind of what you said is as that professional standing by, if it's my group that I'm in charge of or I'm overseeing that community of practice and I have to approve those posts going in, there's a lot of times where I'll go in and just seed it. I'll throw something in there to get it talking because sometimes all these different folks in these different agencies are busy. They're shorthanded. They don't have time to log in. They may have a question, but they're just not going to log in. But if I can seed it and it pops up in their email, they're likely to then go to it and keep the conversation rolling. But if we ignore it, we kind of, as the conversation stated earlier, it dies or it just kind of fizzles out. But if we seed it kind of regularly, it does maintain its momentum, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Similar to drip learning. I like mm-hmm. that idea where you just get something that just tackles your brain a little bit and says, oh yeah, that's right. I like to do this. I like to be a part of this. Yeah. Drip community. <laughs> it's a drip community. Yeah. So we, we say we're irrigating, right? So if we keep the metaphor alive, it's, we're, we're kind of irrigating the field. I really appreciate that thought because someone, they're there for a reason. And like you said, if they're busy, And if you can give them information that's going to help continue the conversation to move forward, why not? Yeah. One of the things that we do to help ours is that we have leadership when they're officially a community of practice, they get the leader, whoever is leading the group gets funding for like two hours a week to work on their community of practice. So that's two hours where they don't have to be on a project. Instead, they're on this still on top of all the other work they do, but at least there's funding for it. We also have a really active knowledge manager who supports those leaders. He's like, well, try this and do this and that kind of things so that the community keeps going. And then sometimes they do 
die away and sometimes we get new ones. So it's kind of organic in the way they grow. And I think one of the natural parts of this is sometimes we, as you know, in the roles that we're in, we get a little anxious. You know, we want to support them and we want them to continue to go and live and prosper. And we get a little anxious when we don't see that natural momentum happening. And I like what Maureen said in the chat, where the most active communities are those that are generally not directed at work. And I think that's a great way to think about this is maybe they start off talking about their best barbecue recipes, and then it evolves into something else right? Inevitably work's going to creep in. And now how can you create this community where it's okay to talk about how you smoke a brisket alongside how do you project manage something, you know, and then those, those conversations become even richer. Yeah. And a community manager. Yeah, Chris. So talk a little bit more about that. So one of the things that we've done in the past is notice those communities that have distinct managers or distinct owners that are either trying to get them going or are really good at it. And we bring them together in a community for community owners and give it a, a space where these people can share. Here's where I struggle, or we haven't really seen engagement. What are you guys doing? And act as partners and help them to build their skills. But the other piece of it is, is we tout this as a development opportunity. It's a way for people who have knowledge or want to build their networks or want to help others build their network. It could be a development opportunity that they use to learn how to or to show others, you know, here's how I'm sharing my knowledge. And it's often if you approach it that way. And whether you're reaching out to people or leaders are saying, hey, we need some more people for running this community, you can talk to them about who might be good for this in terms of this could be a good development opportunity for them. So that also helps too. But having a community for community managers is often quite helpful because then they will cross post, post from, you know, hey, oh, did you guys see they're having an event or, you know, this. So it gets them engaged. And everybody wants to help everybody else have a rich, I'm trying to work in a farm metaphor, but I, I'm lacking. I just <laughs> That's okay. I like that. A community for community managers. That's smart. That's really smart, you know, because I think it goes back to that assumption. You've got the people in the workplace that are really good at doing X. So we're going to have them be trainers. And they're like, okay, I'm just really good at doing X. I'm not really good at training people. So I think this is, that falls along that same line is, can we provide support? We don't, you don't have to put them into a community, but there's one there for them. Exactly. And we also try to tie it back to the real world. So these are skills they can take and use on LinkedIn. We've had the pets and and the you name it, the foodie community and all of those communities. And we still invite those over because they're doing something that can spark for another group who maybe is an Excel group or, you know, that. And everybody can learn from everybody else, but then tying it back to here's how you might leverage these skills professionally in LinkedIn or in other ways. That's also a really great way to 
get interest and for people to start to see, oh, this is valuable, both in and out of the organization. I'm thinking about the comment here that, and it ties in nicely with what you're saying, Chris, this comment here from Maureen, which is there are going to be people in the organization that are really good at a thing, you know, and how can you tie them in? How can you point them in the direction or point other people into their direction? And so if you've got somebody who is really good at, let's just throw out project management, somebody's really good at that. Maybe there's, you know, a community around managers or supervisors or other project members, you know, maybe there's something there that could be built, you know, naturally and say, you know, you guys all should get together because Maureen's really good at this. Or you've got somebody else who's really good in Maureen's example there in the chat is somebody's a really good writer. So they write great blogs. Okay. So then how can you take that information and insert it? into somewhere else you know so if i was going to go to the garden metaphor it's like you you never know when you're going to find a basil plant in the middle of your tomatoes so what are you going to do with that you know how are you going to make use of it and i so i like that i like that thought another thought that perhaps you might want to consider is when you think about sowing information or rather nurturing information what if you popped into different communities and just planted a question. What are you guys, what are you looking for this week? What are you hoping to learn? What are you hoping to achieve? What's your big target this week? And just kind of drop that question in and see where it goes, you know, and encourage the champions that you know that are in these communities to perhaps ask those sorts of questions, right? Because the whole thing about community is how do you get them talking? How do you get them sharing? And so now once you've done that and they start sharing, now what? What do you do with some of the information? So somebody shared a great link for an article. Somebody shared a great tool that they found on Google. What do you do with that information? I usually add it as a favorite or I, <laughs> or I have like a OneNote, a notebook that is about like links, favorites, you know, how-to tips, whatever I want to call it save them in one place or in a spreadsheet so I can go back to it later. You know, when people do ask stuff, they, they usually say to me like, oh, if you need to know something, ask Maureen. Like she'll, cause I, like I will be like, okay, I just have to know like what were my own paths, like where I put things. And then I can say, oh, well, I haven't looked at it in a while, but check out this link or something like that. So it's about using, and I think it's a certain amount of vulnerability, but putting out requests on forums like so for us I mean we use MS Teams or we have yeah we have different channels but even if it's just putting it out there like with your own kind of work group or something say hey does anybody know this like then people generally as adults I think we want to help we want to help others and we want to help solve a problem so kind of you can crowdsource then a response and learn learn a lot from other people like it's using that community so I think it is about as much as like I want to incorporate some sort of a community or something into learning experiences, it does require, I mean, we want it to be kind of informal, but form like it's <laughs> like there's some parameters that we want in there and we hope are in there, but it is about letting go and not having control of something like once it's there. But I just thought about like the drip campaign and also just thinking from a visual perspective, 
with your gardening analogy is I remember being in elementary school, grade school, and in clear plastic cups, we planted seeds and we had the soil so that we could see like, oh, it's sprouting and we can see the roots there. We can see something coming up. So it's almost like on your drip campaign, you could almost have a visual of like where that seed is in its germination, like where it is in its kind of life cycle. So recognizing then when it's newer, it's going to need daily care until it takes root. And then once it's there, you want the roots to be stronger, but what might you need to prune back on what's above ground so that new growth can occur? Like just so there's kind of a visual that's in there that recognizes there is a life cycle. And I think the other thing is, is when things take off is trying to replicate that may not happen, but like it's knowing when to let it die a natural death and it's hard, (laughs) 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 but to make room for new growth, sometimes you have to let the old one, you know, people will move in and out of communities just like this one. There are people who, always show up. There are people who show up by topic. There are people who, if they have the time, they show up. Everybody has value. And then I'm sure there are people who were here at the beginning who outgrew maybe the conversations and they decided to go find something else. Douglas is on fire today, man. We're on fire. (laughs) That's right. We're on fire. We're in our little clear cups and we can see all the roots. (laughs) So yes, it is about pulling in and looking and being aware of what's happening within these groups. Again, it's not about ownership. It's not about ownership. It's about support. And if you realize that something needs a little extra oomph, can you do that? And can you help point people in in the direction? And so when you think about gathering those pieces of information, and so there are some people talking about favorites, putting it in OneNote, et cetera. And so now that we've, we're noticing that good information is coming out of these communities, we have saved them somewhere. The next logical step is how do we share that information with the greater good? This community of young professionals has shared a wealth of TED Talks, articles, blogs, we keep it, we favorite it. We think, oh, wow, I looked at that video. That's really sharp. I really like how that worked out. And so now what? Okay. So we've gathered information for ourselves. Now, how do we share that harvest? If we keep to the metaphor, how do we share that harvest with the greater good? Forums like this help. Forums like this help. (laughs) Start selling it on a different corner. Start selling it on a different corner. So if you say somebody shared a TED Talk in this forum, if it's relatable in a different forum, why not? And you're talking about germinating it in a different place. Why not take that and say, hey, in a different place, this was and I see it relatable to this group as insert whatever that relation is. And then that way you start to cross pollinate. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like all those metaphors. And, you know, if you're building a a larger formal course or something, you can take these things from what these communities have done because they're finding the relevant items to the work. So you just say, oh, look, you you shared this TED Talk and this is how you guys talked about it. Look, there's all my talking points. There's the examples I want to use. There's the video I want to show during the course. And I can lead that discussion just based off of what this group talked about because I already know how that's relatable to what we do. 
you get to play off schema that they already have and yeah. build from it. You get to make it relatable to what's back on the job because they've already done the heavy lifting for you. Mm-hmm. Excellent, Jason. I love it. Yeah. And then it just becomes a matter of sharing to the right people in the right place. And Justine, thank you for that. You know, set up a SharePoint site or an intranet page or a wiki that links into different groups where they can add the information themselves if they want to, or you can if you find it. So once again, so that you are not doing the heavy lifting, to them, it's just a matter of, oh, I've shared this TED Talk in my group. Oh, great. Thanks, Douglas. Now, can you just pop that link over here for me? That would be awesome. And then everybody then has access to it. So I like that. And link directly to posts and communities. Yeah, as part of your learning curriculum, sure. Why not? So if you are building learning journeys for, I'll keep with the young professionals, if you're building learning journeys or learning pathways for them, why couldn't you link that? I'd also challenge everybody to partner with other teams. So this isn't just L&D. Pull your comms people in. Comms and IT are usually the the headmasters of a lot of workplace communities, at least in, in my lives that I've lived in. But pulling in your comms team to also champion this, this is also great with HR in terms of engagement. So what teams can you pull in, but especially the comms team, as you're thinking about intranets, it doesn't have to be uh, you know us who are doing this. How can you partner with them and work together, whether it's with IT or with comms, to highlight and raise and shine a spotlight on some of the work that's being done in these communities? That's a great point. That's a great point. You know, reach across departments, cross-pollinate, keeping IT in your back pocket, in one back pocket, marketing, communications in another back pocket. And now you got two front pockets that you can fill, you know, with operations, sales, HR. Who are the active ones? You know, salespeople are talking. You know, they are. They're talking somewhere. Where? And how can you, you know, keep a, not keep an eye on it from a moderation perspective, but from a knowledge sharing perspective? And a lot of times we, we fall into that ownership role. It's like, oh, we must moderate. We must not moderate. There's our challenge is how can you put yourself into a group and refrain from the natural inclination to moderate? You just want to be part of the group. I want to be part of the cool kids. Well, you are because you're here. So that's where all the cool kids are. Now that you have information and we've got some mechanisms from which to share it, now it's a matter of wash, rinse, repeat and going off and finding other groups of people, finding out what they're doing, finding out what they're sharing. And so now let me ask you this. How are you discovering? How can we discover new plots of lands for which to build our gardens or to continue nurturing our gardens. That's why I'm going to keep this rolling. How do we find them? I think on Yammer, and that's where I've sort of discovered workplace communities, on Yammer or workplace or any of the social networks. And then also on the internet sites, you see who comments on video or things that people have posted. Just keeping your ears open. But I think if, you know, if people see the value in a community, they will keep coming back to it. And like you say, the value may go over time and that's okay. Then the community has served its purpose and it may be reinvigorated in the future. 
but where I was before at, um, at the bank, there were like loads of communities and I just got so much value out of them, particularly over lunchtime sessions and all that, that I just kept going back and meeting people from across the organization. So. And thank you for that, Justine. I think the message here is getting out of our own space. We can say that metaphorically or in reality that maybe you're, you're, you're back in the office and you are, you've got the four walls of your office and you're the type of person that goes from the car park to the office and maybe to lunch, then back to the car park and then home. And maybe your conversations happen either in this sort of forum or maybe on Slack or Teams or what have you, but you don't really leave your space. What would happen if you left your space? Remember those days when we gathered around the coffee machine, right? And we had the break rooms where we talked to people and where you discovered what was happening. Hallway talks. Now I used to pop out of my office whenever I saw somebody walking down the hallway. Hey, how's it going? I think that's why they avoided my office now that I look at that in retrospect. But it worked. And then when you think now, if you're working from home or if you're in a hybrid situation, how do we talk to people randomly and find out what's happening out in the world. So yeah, Chris, let me flip this over. So Chris, how would you suggest that if we work in this hybrid or virtual area, how are communities then discoverable? So if you hear purring, somebody's trying to say something. I don't know what she's trying to say. Obviously, she's not camera shy. So some of the keys are especially in a hybrid environment, you have to make sure that people are putting things in places where everybody has access to. So everybody's leveraging Yammer or Teams or Workplace or whatever you have. And then it's a matter of getting people comfortable, regardless of where they're working, of not just walking physical hallways if they're in the office, but walking the digital hallways. And all that is is scanning the news feeds. So just like you would scan your newsfeed and LinkedIn, making it a practice to scan not just the communities you belong to, but actually scanning what's happening and what's being posted, what's trending in whatever tools you use. So for me, that was Workplace by Facebook. So it was doing a not a scan just of my communities and my notifications, but for me, it was scanning what are people talking about, what's bubbling up, where are the concerns, where are the, ooh, that's a new community. And that just was part of my day. And I think it needs to be part of a lot of people's day and more so than are probably doing it now. I love it. Digital hallways. I think we should all steal that phrase. That's a good one. But yeah. I mean, if you've got people hanging out on Teams, go into the feed and read. Even better, you know, where appropriate, contribute. Not take over, <laughs> but but contribute a little bit, you know. And at first it might be contributing to different networks in small ways, such as, oh, help me understand that. Or where did you find that link? Or, you know, something small. And then you can build up. If you want to really be a part of the conversation, then you start small and then you can build up so people don't feel as though you're intruding, right? Yes, little little niblets, <laughs> right? Those little sunflower seeds, we're just dropping them. And it's really about creating cohesiveness. It's about sharing conversation and setting it up so that people keep wanting to come back 
and being part of the conversation. I'll say it again, for those who came in late or for those who are listening later, it's not a matter of ownership. It's a matter of contribution. It's a matter of celebrating that people are sharing important knowledge with each other and with the greater community. And the more that we can celebrate that, the better off we're going to be and the stronger the community is going to be, almost de facto, right? But where I'd like to go now, we've talked about sowing, we've planted the seeds, we've given them ideas. And another thing that we might consider when we think about sowing information, it might be about giving the community an idea for an activity. So you take that those young professionals and you're like, you know what, I have an idea. Can you guys work on a group as a group on this particular challenge that I'm seeing either within our department or within the organization, you know, and planting these thoughtful experiments in their laps and seeing where it goes. Where does that conversation go? And again, nothing moderated. It's not like homework. It's just a, here's something that I think that your knowledge as a group, that your wisdom as a group can contribute to. I would love to get your feedback on this. And so now again, we're celebrating the knowledge that this particular group has pulled together. And I think that becomes important. You know, how do you make other people aware? No, there's the other piece of information that I'm curious about is we're gathering information that's good information and we're going to share that. We're going to sell it on a different corner. We're going to sell this information on a different corner. Now, how do we make other people aware that we have a little farm stand going on? How do we point people in that direction? Shannon, you were suggesting sort of planting a a problem or something that they can work on. That's one approach. And then they could also, you could encourage them for them to come with the problem that they want to work on. It may be something real in their department or in their organization that they need to resolve. And now they've actually got an opportunity to, to nut it out. So maybe they didn't think about like, oh, this is a great time for us to talk about this issue. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great learning device. You know, back in the day, we used to call that action learning sets. You can pull that and use that in communities as well. (laughs) Am I asking how we become the inflatable bending guy that draws attention to the farm stand? Yes, I am asking that. (laughs) That you see in front of the used car lots. Yes. How how do we become... Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I, I want a screenshot of everybody doing their invitation of the, of the bendy guy. <laughs> How do we become that? What that does is maybe what happens is the word gets out that this particular group is working on important projects and maybe other people want to be part of those important projects. You know, that is just open source. It's not, again, it's not something that's been assigned homework or an extra project for you to solve because of your work role. It's just because It's like a hackathon, right? It's a group that has put together this hackathon of how are we going to solve some of the common challenges within the business and maybe others want to be a part of that. So I love that idea. How do we get it out there? I think you said it before, Shannon, partnering with marketing, HR comms, IT, everybody, and just being the voice and and saying, hey, look what these people are doing over here. Just look what they're doing. And just driving people's attention to it. If there's a monthly newsletter that goes out to the company, find a way to highlight it. If you're doing a podcast about something, interview the community manager or some of the participants and talk about what they're doing. Just 
be a voice for them and plug them anywhere you can. You really are. You are the flailing arm guy in front of the car lot. I'd say to tag off Chris's comment, if you're walking down the the virtual hallway, like where's everybody hanging out? Where's the water cooler at? Right. I don't want to set up my stand and do the whole, if a tree falls and nobody's there to hear, it doesn't make a sound. I want people to hear the sound. So go to where the people are and the foot traffic is. So if you see a community or communities that are more active than others, well, that would be your place to try to feed to take up more acreage, so to speak. Yes. So why can't we be their champion? So we can be the champion for some of these groups. You know, I I love these ideas. At the very least, a catalyst, right? We don't necessarily want to take ownership of it, but there's nothing saying that we can't stir the pot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That little bit, so important, you know, where we can be the voice for the community. We can share their, you know, something important that happened within their group or feature them on a podcast, feature them on a newsletter, kind of like a, a an announcement that says, hey, did you know, dot, dot, dot. And I would say that it might be smart to ask permission before shouting it from the rooftops. If it's for young professionals and you had somebody who's not under 40 and maybe you want to shout that out, maybe you got to have a special message that goes along with it, right? This, if you are don't just pop in. There are criteria or what have you. So just be careful. But it's really important that we become their amplifier, I guess, that we amplify their voice, that we're the advocate in some cases or the champion in others. Have a quiz competition game or something on the company's social media that points to what the community is doing. Oh, I like that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And it could be that special feature, couldn't it, Chris? Highly recommend an introduction to the communities and highlight key ones during onboarding. Oh, boom. Okay. That's the idea to take away. I like that. And I think it's a great onboarding message anyway, you know, to let people know that we have these, these natural organic communities that they, if they want to, they can participate in. That's going to help them learn and grow or just have a better work environment, or if in the event you want to learn how to smoke a brisket, there you go. You know, that happens to the fur baby group. You know, you got cats and dogs, go over here. I love that to introduce it during onboarding. That's a great idea. All right. And I think we're at the top of the hour. So does anyone have any additional thoughts they want to share about this conversation? Was there something in this conversation that you thought that, oh, I can start doing this right now? What's the thing? Well, what Chris just said and Justine just said, building on work this into onboarding and these communities, it made me think at Christmas to limit the number of gifts is to say, like, what is one thing you want, one thing you need, one thing you wear, and one thing you read? Like, what are the equivalents for that? I could have new hires exploring on their own. So it's not prescriptive, but it's getting them used to searching on their own and seeing there's a wealth of information, but it can be things that are useful for them. So maybe it's a community that's just fun and one that's related to their work and one that's related to culture or something just for them to think about like, you know, again, reaching out and maybe there's some actions that are associated with that, like to follow a community or do something, but that it's meaningful to them. Yes, exactly. 
I like that. It's a great way to, to end the conversation. So thank you for those thoughts. And thank you, everyone, once again, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Any special plans for Thanksgiving? How about this in the chat? Favorite Thanksgiving food? What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Or you can come off mic and just tell me. The dressing. Thank you, Renee. Uh, Shannon, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the things. Prime ribs. Thank you everyone for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. To carry our pun-filled chat forward, there were a lot of seeds planted today. We sowed many different ideas and the possibilities for supporting informal communities are rich. Now, to answer the big questions that were on the table, how do we first find those communities? Well, simply talk across departments. You ask, you listen. Your salespeople are having conversations somewhere. See if you will be allowed into the party. How can we gather information to keep knowledge alive in our businesses was another question. Well, try to correlate information into a tool like OneNote or build a wiki based on the community in order to share links and resources and tips. A big part of our conversation was how can we help communities to thrive? Well, mostly be a champion for them and listen to their needs. Find places to assist, not to take over and not to moderate, but to help where help is needed. Lastly, how can we really help these communities grow? Well, it's important to be a voice for them. As we said in the chat, be that inflatable wavy man you see in front of the car dealerships, right? Communities don't grow unless someone is talking about them. Right now, our responsibility is to walk that digital hallway and to find where organizational knowledge is thriving. So it's time to roll up your sleeves and be prepared to start cultivating your organizational community gardens. You want to join us live? And you know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.